0: Thanks for listening to the Unity Fort Worth podcast.
1: Good morning, everyone. Good morning. As you can see, uh, Elaine and I escaped to Switzerland (laughs) just to recover a little bit. And uh, here you see uh, we're meeting our family, you know, um, our Swiss cow families, and um, just for some fun. But um, now, of course, I am actually at home coming to you today because I finally got it after over two years. It got me, the COVID, and so I'm isolating at home and I'm coming to you thanks to the wonderful advancement of technology that we have and we make this available. So um, it's really good to be with you. Unfortunately, not in person, but we'll make this um, still fun anyway. And today is a special Sunday because we're going to, or I'm going to try to answer a couple of questions that have been sent in. I learned this morning that there are a few questions. So I think let us just get started. And I think Rebecca is going to pick the questions for us.
0: Unity is a new thought religion or part of the new thought movement. What is new thought and is it really new?
1: Yeah um, (laughs) That's a history question Um, so um, Yes, so unity is part of new thought. New thought is its own religion a North American or American religion uh, started in the late 18th century And it came out of the transcendentalist movement, like like Henry Thoreau or um, Ralph Waldo Emerson, uh, you might be familiar with. And then there's other names that are really relevant in this this movement, and out of that movement, that transcendentalist movement in the mid-1800s came essentially, a movement of various characters, including Mary Baker Eddy. Um, We have other individuals that you might have heard. Mary Baker Eddy is the creator of Christian Science. And then there's Emma Curtis Hopkins, who is considered the teacher of all teachers within New Thought. She taught a lot of the um, other founders of New Thought uh, churches or New Thought communities, including Myrtle and Charles Fillmore, and also Emily Cady, Emma Fox, Ernest Holmes. They're all connected in that way. So we have Christian Science, we have Unity, uh, used to be called Unity School of Christianity. We have uh, Religious Science, now called Center for Spiritual Living. We have even the Unitarian, although they have not necessarily come down the same route, but the Unitarian Universalists came out of the transcendentalist movement and uh, are a little bit older than that though. So we have a lot of um, similarities with those movements and it is considered new thought, not because it's something completely new, it's using old thought so to speak, and rethink it. And you, especially when you know some of the works of Emerson or Thoreau, um, if you're familiar with uh, Phineas Parkas Quimby, who is considered the father of new thought, um, then you know that they're all were trying to understand God in a different way. Um, One other character that's um, not as as known as well, but uh, he's actually from Sweden, Swedenborg, Um, he he actually created uh, very interesting works in the uh, 1700s and then moving into 1800s that really take Jesus Christ's teachings and review it in in a completely different way, completely new, completely different to traditional Christianity. And I think that's what New Thought really has in common all the different movements that came out of it that still are in existence, that um, these teachings that we teach out of new thought are based on old religions, not just Christianity, but all religions, diving into some of the core foundational teachings and theologies, and then reinterpret and reimagine it um, anew. That's why we have a different, view of how God relates to us than in traditional Christianity or in most traditional religions. We're not the only ones, so we have quite a a good company, although I would say the New Thought movement is definitely a small movement. And that is a, a brief overview for you for history of New Thought.
0: Recent events have brought out a lot of opinions on, on sensitive topics, and I struggle with accepting and loving the whole person attached to the opinions which I consider hateful and harmful. What can I do to strengthen my expression of divine love toward those I struggle to love?
1: Yeah. Um, <clears throat> a very very common problem, right? Um, especially if you think about what happened on Friday, the overturning of Roe v. Wade, um, it is hard, right? It is hard, and it is hard because we we keep focusing on the behavior rather than the person. And that's really something very critical to learn in any spirituality, spiritual work, is that there is a difference between the nature of one's person, one's divinity, and how the behavior comes out the true nature of who we are as humans and as spiritual as humans, we are expressing spirit itself. And if we could, if we were doing it perfectly, then we would only express goodness at all times. How that goodness looks like may be different than what we perceive as good or bad. Goodness is not the same thing as having that duality of good and bad. So, what happens is we get caught up in, in this duality. We, we say, I am good, you're bad. I'm good because I think this way. You're bad because you think that way. And then we get, we get distracted by that <clears throat> rather than actually diving a little bit deeper and asking ourselves, well, I am Christ in true nature I say, and I believe to some degree that you are Christ in your true nature. So how can we then be so different? And if we started out basically acknowledging that we are God's children or that we are a perfect expression of God, if we started out with that, before we dive too much into the, the nuances we will probably find a lot more similarities than we will find differences. And that's really where the work is. To love one another means to be able to see past even um, the most obnoxious behavior or the most difficult behavior for us to process and remind ourselves that everyone essentially at their very core is exactly the same. At least that's what we believe most religions would probably agree to that, especially in unity. At our core, we are love itself, we are spirit itself and then we bring our humanity in. So it's the humanity that gets messed up sometimes and that we struggle with, but it's never the spirit that's behind it. So the starting point for us is to remember who and what we truly are And then allow ourselves to see that, yeah, as much as we make mistakes by twisting the truth around, by justifying things even though they're not true, by um, explaining things away or um, practice metaphysical malpractices, just as much as we do this every day, others do the same. And that's where we divert and that's where we disagree and have difficulties with each other. So it's, it's about remembering the basics, I would say. And one of the teachings that I've been diving into the past, um, just recently is, is the idea of having mercy, having mercy, even, you know, giving, having mercy with someone who we may just not understand, But if we took the time and would sit down with them and find commonalities and find similarities, we would actually start to appreciate them for who they are, who and what they are, even if we completely disagree with them. And it is difficult, it's certainly not easy. Uh, If it was difficult, I think um, the world would, if it was not difficult, the world would look very differently, wouldn't it? the commandment that Jesus brought us to love one another seems very simple. And yet it is difficult because we struggle with it several times every day. The core is to remember who and what we are and to learn to appreciate us first and foremost, and learn to appreciate us for who we are, even with our flaws, and then extend the possibility that other people are flawed as well. Now that doesn't mean that if someone behaves really badly or goes against true nature or whatever it is, that we shouldn't put them in jail or, you know, if they um, commit a crime or something. That is society that decides that, you know, what are the boundaries that we are really willing to live within. We still work according to those societal, societal rules. But we must always remember that um, the belief really is, the teaching is, that at the core, we all are the same.
0: My spouse and I have been consistent about saving money, but I sometimes wonder if we're just hanging on to it with no real goal in mind. When it comes to saving money, what is the difference between good stewardship and ho- or hoarding our resources?
1: yeah that's a pretty difficult question I think to answer. Um, stewardship has to do with trusting in the abundance that is available to us and you know for, in a perfect in a perfect world when you go by scripture and, and what you read in scripture then there's really no need to put anything away. Um, if you, you know, the, the lilies in the field and the birds in the air. And if you go by those uh, parables, then we shouldn't actually be just like that, just completely uh, almost careless in a way. But the reality is that we live in a world now that functions rather differently. And I wonder if those parables will still be the same. I think when it comes to stewardship, the the biggest learning that I believe we all must um, learn is that abundance is already available to us. And if we don't see it, it's a matter of clarity for us and a matter of stewardship. We just need to learn to be good stewards to the, the abundance that we have. And then through the trusting and through the process or the practice of tithing and everything that links to that we learn and to, to expand our awareness of that abundance and become better and better stewards at that. So I think putting money aside in the modern world, saving for retirement and all these things are just smart things to do. You know, it's the same thing as, um, you know, accepting what modern Medicine has to offer to us 2,000 years ago Not really that much medicine around and not that many surgeries or hospitals around Nowadays there are so are we going to reject them? Probably not. So it's a matter of just Checking in and say okay saving money Are we doing this out of just complete fear Is that our driving factor, or is it just something that we believe we want to do and we want to align ourselves with at this point in time? Every every decision we make when it comes around money is is in a way a trigger for us. Most of us, I would say. And so it's always a good way for us to check in. Are we acting out of fear, out of lack? Or are we acting out of just simply utilizing the abundance that we have available? I would um, recommend reading the parable of the talents on that, which I think is a really good one when it comes to saving up versus investing. And um, there's a lot more to it, but I'll leave it at that for, for this question.
0: In many traditional Christian churches, the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is important. Is the Trinity part of unity? What is it and what does it mean?
1: Yes, the Trinity is part of unity. Um, It's, it's, we we also use Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, but we, we translate it, and that's now purely unity metaphysics, into mind idea expression. So the Father is mind, God-mind or divine mind, Christ becomes the idea, and then the Holy Spirit is the expression. <clears throat> the reason why we do that is it has to do with the creative process that we teach, so that we learn how we can use the law of mind action to actually let you know, create things in our lives that we truly desire. It all starts out in divine mind with the Father, with Father-Mother, with God, which is infinite potential and possibility. And then it comes through the idea, through the son, through Christ, which gives us an example, just as Jesus Christ gave gave us an example, how to utilize that infinite potential for expressing goodness at all times. That's the idea we grab onto that idea and we build our faith onto that idea that we can do that exactly just like Jesus did or any of the other great teachers, whether long gone or still alive today, anyone that you admire, that you feel like they're really resonating with um, a God like expression. <clears throat> and then we formulate that idea in our minds, in our hearts, and we start making different choices. We start imagining things differently choose our path differently until eventually in the manifestation, either in thought or in feeling, or eventually even in the physical world, we then get to see how it unfolds. And that's then the expression. So in other ways we can say the father in the Trinity represents the father mother principle, that potential that we all have available to us. So this is how it links back to the previous question. We have an example, the Son, Christ, that gives us some idea how as human beings we can actually use that potential and we can use it really usefully and, and for good. And then the Holy Spirit is not just reserved for the disciples, right? The Holy Spirit comes upon us in the way, not that it is outside of ourselves, but we are the Holy Spirit itself expressing God in every moment in our lives. And that's how the Trinity is seen in unity and how we explain it through our five principles and how we use the Trinity very specifically and consciously to learn to shift our ways of being and how we are in life and change our mind and change our hearts and make this world a better place. What
0: is the law of divine order?
1: Basically the Trinity. So the law of divine order, um, the Apostle Matthew is connected to that. Um, Sorry, not Matthew, um, James, the Apostle James. And divine order is, again, going back to the creative process. There is a creative process in place, a law in place that works for us all the time, every second of our lives, every decision we make, we are choosing to express this law in any way we want. And so when we look at the world, when we look outside of ourselves, we see often our own contribution as well as the collective contribution of our community. When it doesn't look as pretty, then. It's not because God is bad or the potential is not working or the law is not working. It's just because we are still figuring out how to use it righteously or in ways that only goodness is shining through. And then the bad, what we judge as bad, will either be seen differently or it will be will fall away as no longer be the truth that we are willing to uphold. So... The law of divine order gives us an example through the Apostle James, and we can even go into the stories where James shows up um, to understand how we can consciously use a spiritual law that works all the time, whether we know it or not, whether we are conscious of it or not, and start making it work for us for us in terms of allowing our true desires to be expressed through that Christ idea I was talking about before and then eventually into this world. So that if we truly want peace in this world, we can start by finding peace within ourselves and then we can consciously choose peace and use the law of divine order or the creative law and express peace in every moment of our lives. Eventually that will affect others and others will follow the same example and that's how we create a peaceful world in our lives.
0: If you could remove a book from the Bible, which book would it be and what book would you replace it with?
1: Oh boy! (laughs) Sixty-six books. Remove one. (laughs) Well, what comes to mind at first is like, well, let's let's remove the shortest book. I'm a I'm a big fan of the Bible, so I think it would be such a shame to remove a book, Um, regardless of which one it is. Some are a little bit more difficult to absorb than others. Some of the shortest books are in in um in the christian scriptures like uh second john and third john those are pretty short philemon um so we can sacrifice some of the smaller books and then um and then you know fill it with something else but another book that comes to mind, maybe Revelation, although I'm, I'm actually personally a big fan of it, but it's so difficult to understand. If you ever tried to read Revelation, it's, it's hard to get through because there's so much symbolism. You have to study symbolisms um, that you need to, it's very difficult. So in that way, I probably will go for Revelation, the last book in the Bible, and say, let's take that out and replace it with something that is a little bit more um, easier to understand. And so, when it comes to which book I would replace it with, then it will be probably the um, Nag Hammadi scriptures, if you're familiar with those. That's where all the, the additional gospels are coming from Gospel of Thomas, Gospel of Judas. And my favorite the Gospel of Mary, the only gospel written by a woman uh presumably Mary magdalene um, and there's lots of other stuff there's there's prayers in there from saint paul there's there's secret books from John and if we took all those scriptures that were found in the fourth century, if we took all those and put it in one book, I will probably put it in put it in instead of revelation because it's They're, they're Gnostic, considered Gnostic and they, if you love unity, you will love the Hamadis, uh, the Nakhamadi scriptures because it, it really shows some of the teachings that, and standing away from the traditional theological, theistic, um, approach that God is separate from us. You see much more quickly especially the Gospel of Mary. It seems like Mary has written down some of Jesus' teachings that go much deeper and much further than what we read in the Gospel. Um, and it's so close to what we teach in unity, going away from separation and embracing oneness. So, um, yeah, very good question. That's a, that's a surprising one. I never had that one. So, um, sorry. John, got to get rid of Revelation. Just too difficult for most of us and probably put in the Nag Hammadi scriptures. And if I had to choose one out of that, it would be Gospel of Mary. Just as simple as that. Absolutely my favorite. Um, Really pissed a lot of disciples off. (laughs) When you read it, you will know what I mean. Um, They didn't believe her. They didn't believe the teachings that Jesus was telling her because it looked so far advanced to what we actually read about the teachings in the in the four gospels and in the acts so and i think that's um that will be my my choice and i was just told we are out of time and this was the last question so um then um Wow this time goes really fast. So I hope you have fun. I always do. Makes me a little sweat but I made sure that the AC was to absolutely freezing level so I wouldn't show it on screen today. So let us now take um, some time in meditation together and just absorb this time together. As you get ready, I invite you to close your eyes if that's comfortable for you. Take a deep breath. And allow your exhale to guide you in your thoughts and feelings today. Every breath you take in, you take in God mind, divine mind, the father, the mother, the universe, principle, infinite potential. And as you exhale, you allow your Christ Self to create, to manifest, first as an idea, shaping your desires in your world, then as more concrete thoughts, images, feelings, And eventually, as your choices, your actions. Remember that in every moment you can start anew, you. you can start a source and reimagine. And then express who and what you truly are. So whatever comes to mind, the difficulties we may have with others, the politics that are in this country and in the world, the wars that are happening around the world. We always remember that we are the light. We are God, expressing in human form. We are inherent goodness. To which there is no opposite. It all begins in love. And as we choose, this love never changes, it never mutates into anything else. We stay with this love. We stay with the kindness that we heard about today. We stay with the beauty that we are, the perfection that we can see. And whenever we disagree with each other, we remind ourselves that we all are just like that. We stand in our truth. We take action for what we believe in. But we do so with kindness, with a loving heart. with a sense of peace. Imagine that every human being, every soul has the right to express itself. The same right that we have to express ourselves. We follow the rules and the regulations that we ascribe to. And within that we appreciate each other for the uniqueness of who and what we are. And our gift to this world is to help ourselves, our families and friends and each other to see that, to see the Christ light, the Buddha love, the patience of Muhammad may peace be upon him. And as soon as we see that, As soon as we are in the perfect moment and appreciate the divine wisdom that is flowing through us, that we choose to express, we cannot but be grateful for the power that's within us to do this. So we give thanks to this community, thanks to each other, for who and what we are, whether we like each other or still get to know each other, we find it in our hearts to appreciate each other, for the same gift and the same power that we all are. say this with faith and conviction knowing that we are just that and so it is Amen
0: Thank you for listening to the Unity Fort Worth podcast You just heard this week's message and meditation For the live streams and more information go to unityfortworth.org